Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie. And we are the Queer Arabs. Um, and then with us today is a guest co-host who I'm excited to have on, uh, Miriam Hakim. You all have probably heard her on the podcast before. And then we have an amazing guest. Hi, uh, I am Miriam Hakim. I'm the lead singer of Giant Kitty, and um, I'm helping out because Shamir is awesome, and thanks to Twitter, we, we, we are doing this, so Alia suggested I might as well be on the episode. Yes, thank you, Twitter. Uh, we just tweeted Shamir, and Shamir was like, sure? <laughs> it was so excited. Because you are a gem. You are such a gem. Thank you for doing this. I mean, I'm always down for the, for the, for the cause, for the, for anyone, you know. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, um, I'm Shamir, and, uh, yeah, I guess I'm an artist. I do a lot of things. Yeah, you do a lot of things. One of my questions is actually, what is your life? (laughs) You do, you do, (laughs) you do everything, it feels like. Right now, a lot is happening. As per the information that brought us together, I'm going on tour with Slater Kinney, so preparing for that a lot, and then I also have my own label, who, um, who's released, the first thing was coming out this week, and then the, the full EP comes out um, October 8th, which is the day after my birthday. Yay! So, thank you. That's- yes. Her real name is actually Miriam, too, also. Yay! So, Aww. I love that. Um, she's Somali and really great. And, uh, yeah, so this has been really busy right now, but, you know, I do a lot of other things too, along the lines of, like, acting and recently. Yeah, you played a plant in Tuca and Birdie, right? I played a thick, like, a thick, like, hot, like, cool plant, right? Yeah. (laughs) The description when when I went in to record it was Rihanna, she was a plant. (laughs) You did that perfectly. (laughs) You nailed it. Who else would think of that? <laughs> Who else? No one. No one. No Literally one else no is one. this like ethereal like beauty that can pull off like Rihanna as a plant. And I did have and I did have like the the picture, like I didn't know what I looked like. That was just the description that I had to like bounce off of. So it was like really funny. And you are you are also in Dear White People, right? In Dear White People, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was my first like that, that's like that's how I got my um my sad card. That was like my first like legit like acting yeah. role thing. That's so cool. Yeah, what was that um, like? That's when I realized I guess that like I really you know, I kinda just like went to dab into acting because to me it just seems like, oh, if you want to be like if you want to be seen as just as more of just like a singer, you know, you do it all. You know, you do like with Donald Glover, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, you have to just do it all. Um, but that's when I really realized that, like, oh, like, I love this, and, like, this is natural for me, because, like, I, I, I never took any acting classes, like, anything, oh, wow. like, it's just, and, and that was kind of, like, my first handful of auditions, and I got that, it, like, instantly, so, yeah. yeah, it made me kind of realize that, like, acting could be, like, a natural thing for me. Yeah. It and- sounds like you are a natural performer with a lot of hustle, so. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Get- 
that's the thing. That's why I like to just call myself like an artist and mm-hmm. you know, not even at like music and like I see myself as like a musician as like my main like medium. But I think overall I'm just like an artist yeah. and like that artistic energy I just can like use it through, you know, multiple media. Yeah, and you bring it together too, like in your music videos there's acting involved and, and visual art and your and your music. Love it. Uh so you live in Philly right now, correct? Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. How long have you lived there? Going on five years. You liking Um, it? mm -hmm. Yeah, I moved here in 2015. Basically, I haven't lived anywhere else, like, because I'm originally from from North Las Vegas, uh, born and raised in Las Vegas, to record my first record because my producer lived out there. And so I was like, oh, I'll move to New York and, like, intern for the label that, like, signed me. Ooh. And, like, for the first few months, like, no one knew that I was, like, signed. So I was, like, masquerading as, like, well, I mean, I was a real intern, but, like, I was, like, no one knew that I was also signed until I had to do, like, a project. You were a superhero, basically. Yeah, I was, like, Clint Clark, like, Clint Clarking it for a second. <laughs> yeah. So that was that. Awesome. And then I just came to Philly to see this band that I ended up managing and when I started working with them, I just, I was come to Philly a lot and fell in love with Philly and just kind of found my way within the scene and nice. knowing everyone within the scene. So, yeah, it's... I just ended up staying here. Plus, we found Philly to be very friendly to the queer Arab artist types. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. we have pretty fairly queer. We've we've gone there for a fest called Yellow Punk. Um yeah. Yes, Have you heard um, about the it? Muslims told me about that. Oh, the, the band. I've oh, heard the band. The Muslims? the Muslims. The Muslims are amazing. They are great. fucking super... obsessed. I'm... And I work with like I work with so many just like queer like Muslims because I have a friend um, who's non-binary and also does music like themselves. They're called um, Hoomst. And, I um, love Hoomst. Yeah. So I I produce for them. Yeah, I'm just kind of cultivating this little oh, queer Muslim sphere, punk sphere. Yeah. That's awesome. Wait, isn't Hoomst? I thought, okay, I thought I know <laughs> who did Hoomst, but then I'm afraid of outing them if they do not want their name tied to it or if I am wrong. Um, no, I think, no, I think Kari, they're, they're, they're from Philly. Name okay. Is that's um, you know, this this actually leads really greatly into a question that I had for you, which is how has your Muslim background informed your songwriting or artistic development, if at all? Wow. Wow. You see, this is why I like to do things like this, because that's definitely a question I've never been asked. (laughs) As Um, a fellow Muslim artist, like, so full, full disclosure, so of us, like, on the podcast, I'm the only one that's, like, Muslim. Some people may argue like I'm a really bad Muslim, but I identify as Muslim anyway, so I'm curious. Yeah, like I definitely was just like raised Muslim, like definitely not practicing, you know. Um, but you know, a lot of that stuff stays with you when you're raised, you know, it's a specific way. And I think more than anything, um, since I was I was raised in a nation of Islam. So I think a lot of like my innate like pro-blackness is definitely from my Muslim background, you know, um, and that obviously yeah. shows up in like a lot of my songwriting and, and songs. So yeah. that's awesome. Is there anything that you wish people knew about like the contributions of American Muslims to American music, like especially Nation of Islam, right? Like there's so mm-hmm. much connection between music in the United States and like Nation of Islam and this like do you wish that people talked about that more or gave credit to that more not now because i think there's yes a lot of there's a lot of i think within the black american community um 
the Nation of Islam is like known for a lot Definitely, of hopeful things, of you know, and a lot of uh, pro-black things. But I definitely think, you know, along the way and over the years, the uh, nation has uh, kind of like lost its path a little, lost the plot a little bit. So, um, yeah, it's 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 weird. I definitely, I definitely, just like you said, like love it because I definitely, you know, like a lot of Black Americans, you know, grow up with kind of just like a crisis of just like you know loving their skin yeah. and like loving who they are. And I'm lucky that I've never had to deal with that. And that's really cool because of the nation, but I think there's definitely, like, some things. Like, you know, it's a very bastardized version of Islam, too, and I, and I wish I kind of just, like, learned, you know, a little bit more about Islam in a very, like, you know, traditional way a little bit. You know, like, it's just, it's just certain things that I felt like I gained but also lost, you know. You know, it's interesting that you used the words that you used because I, I guess maybe one one more thing, like... There's been a lot of vilifying of Muslims in the news and like solidarity by non-Muslims with Muslims, but like obviously the original Muslims in the United States were black and a huge portion of American Muslims are black, but they're often like left out of this conversation when people are talking about Muslims and Muslim Americans. And I guess I was just wondering like, do you, does that come up for you often? Like when you think about like things that you well, that's the thing, you know, it kind of, it kind of, like, that conversation to me kind of, like, kind of mirrors how, like, you know, black women can be some of the most homophobic people in America, you know, they're, you know, the most, like, marginalized, um, and I feel like with the Nation of Islam, it's kind of been the same thing, you know, I think in recent years, which has been very, a lot of people have been very quiet about, or it's just not really as well known, in recent years, you know, they align themselves with, like, Scientology and even Trump, so it almost kind of feels like that they don't, you know, actually care about Muslims in general, and the fact that they've kind of, you know, been able to kind of get more privileges because they're black, black in America in a weird way, which is, like, weird to say that they kind of, like, you know, don't have to, like, live as, like, a visual Muslim, so they don't kind of like I don't think they do enough work for Muslims of all kinds you know in, in yeah. America interesting like I knew about the Scientology connection maybe before we move on I do want to say I think like especially as a white passing American Muslim like I definitely think particularly Arab Muslims have a lot of like anti-blackness to unpack and a lot mm -hmm. more work to do mm -hmm. as far as understanding like the diversity of our Muslim community in the United States mm -hmm. and what solidarity really means. And in some sense, like for some of us, um, we expect people to have solidarity for us, but maybe not everybody has the solidarity they need for our whole community. And also, and I also think about that too. I think, I think about that too. Um, and that's super valid. And like, obviously, you know, I have experienced my fair share of racism from Arab Muslims also. But also at the same time, it's almost kind of just like me as a queer person of color. That's just like saying even, you know, especially a non-binary, you know, trans person. That's just like saying, you know, why should I continue to fight for, you know, the rights of, you know, cis white gays when, you know, they can be so 
some of the most transphobic and some of the most, you know, like, you still fight and have solidarity for all, even though that there's always going to be certain people within the community that just don't fucking get it or, or can I cuss? I don't know. That just... Cuss <laughs> as much as you want. That just, like, don't get it oh, or, yeah. you know, want to, like, separate themselves or, like, once they get a little crumb of respectability, you know, like... Um, then, then, you know, they want to act out. They want to act a certain way. I think it's just, it's always been like that. Just like how I, you know, had the analogy with like, you know, how some black women can be, you know, transphobic and like homophobic. And it's just like, but like, you know, we're on the same level of like, you know, marginalization, you know? So like, why, why take the time out of your life to be like that when you are being beat down too? You know, it's just, it's just, we've seen it throughout history. I don't know what to tell you. People are kind of ridiculous. I feel like some people are just uh, too satisfied with too little, you know? Mm, yes, yes, because when you have nothing, yeah. you know. That's a really good way of putting it. <laughs> you can't stop there. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. and, it, and the reverse within queer spaces, there's so much racism. And you're like, come on, we've all been through our fair share of struggles. Like, can't we identify with each other rather than? dividing i don't think people really understand what equality is i think everyone's just kind of fighting for privilege (laughs) and i think that's that's the problem you know they want to change the picking order not overthrow it exactly and you know and i and i and i guess that's what happens in like late stage capitalism everyone's just fighting for capital even on a social level thank you (laughs) you missed while we were waiting while we were waiting for you there were lots of capitalism (laughs) jokes I mean, you know. We should have recorded them to throw in here. (laughs) We're out here. We're out here. You know, I think that's why, I think that's why, you know, I, I like to, you know, work within the means of, of the entertainment industry, you know, in a, in a traditional way and like as it is, but I think my ethos is very DIY and I think that's just because the, the way that capitalism affects like everything, including just, you know, everyone's. Um, work industries and like everything it it makes it really hard for people to you know not fight for for capital gain I think I think a Mm -hmm. lot of the opportunities that I've that I've been given is just because a lot of people just care for me and like respect my art and that took a long time coming you know that's why it's so easy for everyone to just you know move to LA and like do the thing and when I decided to do the thing I mean not do the thing and not move to LA and not do that you know a lot of people thought that I wouldn't Mm. be able to succeed but it's just like I did because people respect me and like respect my art and like it's it's wild the way that capitalism affects just about like everything on like tiny tiny ways you know for sure. This is quickly yeah. turning into my favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ellie. So one of the things I've grown up with is as I got older, I kind of got more ashamed of my identity as like, my I'm Lebanese, my family's Lebanese. But when I came out, it's like I had to confront sort of a lot of the, you know, pent up conservative of that. And it, like, I'm right now, I'm and I sort of just sort of shed it all. And right now I'm sort of trying to reintegrate my culture back into my life. Like, how did you, I mean, it looks like you've mm-hmm. kept your culture and you've kept your pride in your culture. How did that work? I'm both curious and jealous. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. You know, I get questions like that a lot from a lot of people, you know, like, 
you know, how are you able just to, like, be on a bachelor yourself, and how are you able to, like, do all these things, and, like, I think one big thing is that, you know, I've always had really open parents, and, um, who always let me kind of just, like, be my own thinker, and, like, be my own brain, and, and so I, I, it's really easy for me to hold true and within my ethics because it's not it's not based or bound to anything that is particularly tangible i think everyone needs to have their own you know basic i guess code of ethics within themselves and i think that's different to everyone and i think once we kind of like learn that the world will kind of like be a better place and i and there's obviously you know some people code of ethics are lower than the others but i think if we if we are kind of learned to kind of be our own you know thinkers and, and be free thinkers free thinkers also you know are open to learn and i think as long as you're learning and seeing how certain things affect other people and just actually keep your eyes open it's it's kind of like easy to like build that empathy and that's just kind of like what what it's done to me like it's just it's hard for me to truly resent something that's never that's not only it has been a building block of like who I am and who I am as a person but hasn't really hurt me until it's gone against my own ethics so why does it have to yeah that's that's really it to me like it's I love just, that you can make a merge yeah <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about your music because when I listen to it, it's like at least at least your recent few albums, you make these like really pretty songs that are somehow like extremely dissonant, but then they all merge together. And if you like don't think about it too hard, it seems simple. But then your music is like so complex. Wow, you and did it, wow! <laughs> you're you're so incredible. Really broke it down correctly. I think a lot of people is either just straight dissonant trash to them or it's like really pretty but makes them feel uneasy and they don't know why you know but they clearly have not listened to enough jeff buckley then Fair, <laughs> yes but i but i actually but i actually like work with dissonance like my like the bass in the song will be in a different key than than the guitar you know and and i think i've just kind of learned how to do that in like a a, a way that's like of my own that i haven't really seen done because i think if done wrong, it can be bad. <laughs> no, it's so difficult. I mean, like, I I don't want to gush too much because it's probably embarrassing for both of us. But, like, <laughs> seriously, I, I've been listening to, you know, your, your last three albums. And I just, like, am totally blown away because it feels like if one thing was slightly different, it would be, it wouldn't make sense. But, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's. It's, your music is just like incredible and mm -hmm. like the the things that you managed to put together I think, it, it's I like think, the sweetness with the dissonance in this incredible and unique way i think that's like my whole ethos i think that's just like who i am as a whole being because i've never been a person who blends in mm -hmm. right and, and instead of closing myself off and doling myself down to try to blend in but also not directly opposing everyone in the room. I've kind of just like learned how to be an enigma without necessarily standing out 
too much or having unwanted attention because realistically i'm kind of an introvert like i don't i'm not a person yes introvert like wants a bunch of attention so yeah you know so i think i've kind of just learned how to i guess um make big things in a in a subtle yeah. way i guess really realistically your vocal register is described as a counter yeah counter tenor which mm-hmm. is like that's another unique aspect um and it's also kind of affirming because it's like in a way you're like fuck gender roles and that comes across and i love it it's so affirming um actually on that note can you describe to the listeners what is a countertenor so countertenor is basically because you know again everything is so gendered in the world and i think when you're someone like me, mm-hmm. it's it's thrown even more at you, you know, because, like, I think growing up, like, yeah. I've never really felt necessarily comfortable within my body, but definitely felt uncomfortable within my gender, mostly just because it, I didn't feel like it aligned with my body. And I think a lot of people are starting having that mm-hmm. conversation now, but more so i had to have that conversation with myself at a very early age um before it was a grand conversation because you know when when i was going through puberty and when i was growing up like my voice wasn't changing and and my face somehow got more feminized and like you know and i already have very feminine um mannerisms so i would get mistaken for a girl all the time and it used to frustrate me Mm -hmm. because you know, I, I just, it just didn't make sense to me. And I felt like, oh, maybe there's something wrong with me. Like, do I have to like, you know, try to make myself look more masculine, but also like, I don't even know what that would entail and like, would I even like it? And it's just, you know, it it was the whole thing. I brought that up to say, you realize that all those things are so gendered, even when it comes to singing. And when I was in choir and in high school, my choir teacher used to bully the living shit out of me because I couldn't you know the choir was already you know separated between men male and female choir and basically a countertenor is is basically just like throwing like lumping all of the male queer singers and like all of history essentially um whose voices doesn't sound um conventionally male into one little box called counter tenor because a tenor is a high male vocal and then there's baritone and then there's bass you know and, like baritone is like somewhere in the yeah. middle but that's like still very deep and then bass is like very deep and then the counter tenor is just like any male who falls under the category of like a female alto or or um yeah or a soprano which is sounds fucked up and crazy but that's literally that's literally what a countertenor is so yeah the yeah. It's, it's 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 wild to think about how everything is just like so gendered like that it's weird yeah, even a choir no like even choir choir is is super gendered and um I say this like yeah. I'm I'm a contralto like my range mm-hmm. my range is basically into Which is basically tenor. Which basically a female version of a um, exactly exactly yeah. Our <laughs> no, counter, counter tenor. Yeah, so I, I find that's another thing I find really affirming about your music is our voices are about in the same range, and instead mm-hmm. of thinking of this as like oh I have a super low voice for a woman, it's just oh this is in like the middle of a natural human vocal range. Like, why even bring up gender, right? It's just, like, voices can get pretty low and they can get pretty high and we're both kind of in the middle. But um, but it's amazing how much, like, there's nothing inherently better about a soprano or a bass, right? But somehow 
like enforcing. I, mean, I don't see why. I mean, it's, it's, it's right, uh, but it's like, based. it's like a, it's like a type of vocal that is just not used in pop music anymore, which kind of sucks. But you know, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's just strange mm-hmm. how much gen- like these gender roles are even enforced in like your vocal range when people can sound beautiful mm-hmm. with like all sorts of ranges and like I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, wow, that was a lot of historical and musical unpacking right there. <laughs> yeah, that was like a lot. Like I was like, wait, I got lost in like my my answer. I'm like, I knew I started this off for a reason. Um, Next time on the Queer Arabs, we're there's going a to lot discuss- to talk about. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was going to do a little bit. Sorry. Next time on the Queer Arabs, we're going to discuss the musical history of Italian uh, singing roles. I mean. Right, which is so outdated, you know, especially within pop music. And, like, just like I said, like, I don't know. There has to be, like, some real... Well, to me, that makes me kind of, like, think that, like, are there any real bass singers, you know? Like, is anyone's voice really that deep, though? Or where does someone just have the range to get that low and just kind of chill there, you know? Because, like, yeah, like, bass singers are kind of like extinct you know even in country music like you get like a baritone you know like baby lock doom doors you know but yeah yeah like a real like bass bass like they always kind of even you know during kind of like a opera you know when when those category categorizations um made more sense you know the poor the poor bass singers you know might get a line or two or they were just kind of like the backbone so like I don't know. I feel sorry for the bases out there. Like, where y'all at? What's good? Well, Rick, Rick Astley got pretty popular. Or is he was still a baritone? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, bar- he's probably like a baritone that can hit bass notes. That's what I'm saying. I'm not sure. That's fair. If actual, true, legit bass exists. Is Johnny Cash a bass? That's like, that's like baritone. Okay. Also, speaking speaking of country music, so, so you have some strong Yeehaw vibes. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the, <laughs> the fact that people are becoming more comfortable with like queering country music? Not that it hasn't always had some, que- but like you know, people are people are using phrases like "yeehaw vibes." Like, what do you what do you think about this? I'm happy, but I'm also like mad. You know, I'm mad because I got so much shit when I first came out back in 2014 and was singing country covers and like country songs and people are like, that's weird. And like, oh, he's so unique or like, you know, like, oh, you know, like just basically othered me because I did that. And like now, you know, thanks to Little Nas X and like, it's really cool that, you know, a black queer person, you know, helped you know, sling that movement, but yeah, I, it's bittersweet for me, because I'm, like, happy, because, like, yes, like, it's now a thing, and I feel more seen than I ever have before, because I used to get, I used to get picked on at school, you know, for being black and listening to country, and, you know, and people thinking that, you know, it's coonish, or, like, anti-black, or, like, whatever, and I'm, like, no, it's just, like, I like the music itself, you know, I can give two shits about the white people singing it you know it it it, Mm -hmm. it's just that you know like why can't i access it too yeah exactly you know um and and i saw discrimination firsthand when i was 16 you know like if i didn't see the discrimination that i saw while trying to be a country singer when i was like 15 16 and like going to honky tonks and everything i'd probably be a country singer right now but because like but i literally became a punk because like that shit made me so mad because like I really had to like realize that like oh there's no room here for me 
you know, because I didn't wear the cowboy hats. I wasn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't going to adhere to like what they wanted, but I was going to come here and sing these songs, mm-hmm. you know, and they didn't like that. They were fucking terrified. Yeah. It, I think it all I depends. I think there's a lot to be said about the conservatism of country music and just how, not only in just race, but sort of like gender expectations of people of a certain race. Like you can't be, mm-hmm. you can't be a feminine or male. Wow. You cannot be a male assigned his birth, you know, presenting anything feminine ever, you know, and God forbid you have the wrong voice for it. But that's just a perfect example of like what I mentioned earlier, of just like kind of just like me being big in a small way, you know, like I was being big in a big way trying to break in fucking country music. And like, I don't have time yeah. to constantly have to like defend my existence. So, you know, I turned to, because I also was listening to, like, other things, you know, and I kind of just found a way to incorporate that in a type of music that works for me. And I've never lost the country background in anything that I've released. I'm glad I kept it up because, like, now, finally, you know, so many years later, I'm, like, validated and, like, people are going back and what's like, oh, wow, maybe Shamir was saying something, like, five years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's exactly what we were talking about earlier with your, your combination of, like, prettiness and and dissonance because i feel like you know at least in country maybe before the 2000s like that's really that was really common right like when i think about country from the 60s or 70s like this combination of ugliness and beauty is Mm -hmm. like hard to find in a lot of other genres of music and i wonder if completely right that's that's exactly i think where a lot of that comes from for me too for sure and i just i just think my lyrics just the way i write lyrics is just like they're country songs you know they are. my melodies are very very like old school and classic you know like i'm not doing like very staccato melodies like they are kind of like right now you know like pop melodies these days are very like you know you know and like that to me i don't know how i feel about it you know <laughs> no this is like straight up like patsy klein willie nelson shit yeah yeah for sure <laughs> can you tell i also grew up listening to country music <laughs> yeah i love it i yeah. love it like i i feel so freaking validated now because it's like i feel like i feel like little Nas x just like you know shine the back signal and then like all of us just like finding each other you know <laughs> you showed the bat signal and yeah. we all came to philly apparently yeah i mean hey i'm not atlanta like the place. you're getting there Hey, I like Atlanta. I'm going to stick around for a while. Well, I like Atlanta. Atlanta's cool. I have so many Atlanta homies. Oh, nice. We're all spread out right now. Ellie's in Houston. I'm in D.C. Miriam's in Atlanta. We're we're gravitating toward Philly. (laughs) (laughs) At least we go once Like everything, like everything, Shamir is there first. I mean... No, I mean, yeah. it's a very old city. Like, I know, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Basically where America was born. Oh, sure. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Just take it. <laughs> but- oh, talking about country music leads me to another question I had for you, which is, um, do you find that there are particular musicians or songwriters that you are, like, super inspired by? And has that changed as you've developed as a musician? Mm, you know, mm, you know, I don't, I guess, for songwriting, I think, I don't know specifically for songwriting, I think just like I said, like a, I feel like I write country songs, but it's hard for me to kind of pinpoint exactly the one person is, except, and it pains me to say this, and and I have my, you know, quarrels with 
with with how I feel about her, but I can't deny the influence. And Taylor Swift really changed a lot for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. You know, back in the day, you know, when she was like 16, writing, you know, top 10 singles completely by herself, you know, and and they were just great yeah. and honest and they were simple and they were yeah. straightforward. And I think that formula definitely, like, I took it and I ran with it when I was younger. And I think yeah, I've been a, awesome. a decent songwriter since. Um, but, you know, her is a pr- good point about, like, the honesty within her lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you mean. For sure. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Yeah. Um, I, you, you have you have definitely surpassed her. <laughs> like there's a way. Okay. Yeah. There's a way of being simple and straightforward and honest without being inane. Yeah. And I, you 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 do that perfectly. And some some of her more recent songs are a little inane to me. But that's just a matter. Well, of that's things. what I'm saying. Like, I, I can't I can't listen to her now. I think I think there's been a few decent songs in this new record from what I've heard but like obviously Reputation was trash and honestly like 1989 was like a decent pop record but I didn't really like love it like after 1989 I kind of fell off the Taylor wagon and then it kind of made more sense that she became more of a mess so I'm talking about like 16 year old you know first Mm -hmm. self-titled record you know because that was really kind of just like the youngest like pop star I think of any genre for like kids to like look up to at the time you know she was what she's like four years older than me and I'm like oh shit you know like that's really cool and like these songs are like mature but still like feel true to like someone who's 16 and like you know I think it's kind of like mm-hmm. you know essentially she was for I guess you know young millennials like me is probably like what uh Lord was to like you know young you know Y2K kids oh, yeah. you know it's just like oh this is a kid that's really doing it you know mm-hmm. and like not on kids Bob <laughs> Do you find yourself being inspired by any of the, like, 90s kind of singer-songwriters, like Amy Mann or Melissa Etheridge or something like that? Maybe I'm misidentifying their genre, but I don't know if you <laughs> listen to much of that group of people. Not so much 90s. Most of my 90s influences are grunge. And, like, um, and like, like Courtney Love is, again, one of my, like, m- main huge influences. Um, and her songwriting definitely and play and like guitar playing too definitely plays like a huge part and especially in the dissonance and and her music and like mine and like i definitely take from that um i love toriyama's i'm trying to think other 90s singers i I know there's a lot but i think i think most of the singer songwriters that i listen to just i guess just by virtue of my age were like early 2000s stuff um not so much like 90s stuff that makes sense where where are you gonna go on tour it's all over yeah the way that they um map this one out is like kind of weird because it starts in spokane but i'm not playing any of the california la dates it like starts in spokane okay and then go to new york all the way down to new york and like hit a bunch of midwestern places and then go down to texas and then i hop off at texas and then there's another opener that I guess from Texas goes to like LA and like everything, so it's I guess it's a circle. Um, but you're but you are playing yeah. the Atlanta date. I checked. I'm playing. I'm playing the Atlanta <laughs> date. Yes. Like, Let me know if you want to hang out. Are you there? Yeah. And I have a day off out there, so yay. please hit me up. Yay! Oh yay! <laughs> Were you a fan of Slater Kinney before? Like, how does it feel to be going on tour with them? It's completely validating. You know, like it's really. 
crazy. I, I think I have a real gift for manifesting. It's really funny. Mm. I did a tweet not too long ago where it's just like, you know, I have new Vivian girls, um, new Mandy Moore, and I'm going on tour with Sleater Kenny. Like, all of my 2015 dreams are coming true. <laughs> and, like, that was, like, literally true. Like, I always have been a fan of Sleater Kenny. But I didn't see them live for the first time until 2015, just like at the beginning of my career when I was doing like, you know, more like the pop stuff. And I was already just like feeling like fatigued by it. It was just like, this is not me. I can't continue this. I know I'm not going to continue this. Like after, you know, I'm done with this record cycle, I'm definitely about to pick the guitar back up and like scream because I need to, you know. And so seeing Mm -hmm. them at that time literally like it changed me like it was almost kind of like validation because I was like already feeling like that and just like seeing them rock out and like it was just it was just so inspiring and so validating and then it was just like after that night I'm like okay that's what I want to be doing that's what I need to be doing that's what I'm going to be doing so you know flashback four years later me opening for them is truly crazy and wild for me because I'm just like wow like here we are that's incredible. And especially since, I mean, that was their first time touring in years. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say that because, like, I went to the Houston show on that tour and felt the same thing. And at that point, turns out I was standing next to who would later be my bandmates, like, later that year, like, in the crowd. Oh my like, God. They were, like, they were in this band, Giant Kitty, that I was a fan of. And I had gone to see their shows, and there I am, like, doing my thing and thinking I was like done with music I thought I like missed my chance like it was never gonna happen and then like a couple months later I auditioned for the band and got in but I was like everything that you're describing watching Slater Kinney that's like what I was feeling then and mysteriously standing next to my future bandmates Slater Kinney's magical what can I say I mean Look, That's just yeah, the key. look what happens. Oh my god, when this comes out, I, I totally That's have so to beautiful. tell um, Carrie to listen to it. I'm sure she will cry. Oh, Aww. yes. Well, Carrie, if you are listening to it, do you realize how special you are? Oh my god. I mean, yeah. That's yeah. insane. Also, Corinne and Janet. Well, you know, <sighs> no no more Janet now, but you know. Yeah. I still love <laughs> Janet. <laughs> right. No, it's it's really amazing how, like, one band or one show can, like, do that for you. Especially when it's a band that you, like, super love yeah. and never thought you would be able to see live, right? Because when, yeah. you, when you and I were listening to them, probably they weren't even touring anymore. No. I don't know when you started listening to them, but, like, I started listening to them, like, right towards the end. Like, right after The Woods came out. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense after the Woods, because, like, I mean, that came out when I was, like, very much a child, so yes, but they also kind of just, like, seem like something that's just always kind of just, like, been entangled in my musical taste, Um, because I just, like, I was just listening to just, like, a bunch of music in, like, middle school and high school, um, and did basically nothing else, so... It's kind of hard to, like, mm-hmm. pinpoint specifically when, you know. Is it just the two of you on tour for the leg that you're on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you get them all oh, to yourself. Exciting. I mean, yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, I've already been, I'm already pretty close to um, Carrie. She's always been really cool and um, a huge supporter. Yeah. And and back in 2016, um me, her, Courtney Burnett, and friend Armisen did a really 
drunken and psychotic <laughs> rendition of Twist and Shout. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> that sounds incredible. Season rap party and and they just like pulled me on stage. I'm like, I don't really know this song. This is like an old Holy song. Shit. Like I don't really know it, but they gave me a maraca and it was it was it was wild. But I was like, I'm making a fool of myself in front of Maya Rudolph. I will never forgive you. <laughs> That's oh amazing. God. Is this? by chance online somewhere i don't i don't know i don't think i mean it was a private party you know but i hope not honestly yeah, so <laughs> okay you know it that actually amazing that actually brings up a question that i have for the tour do you have do you have any like hijinks planned with slater kenny like are Absolutely you gonna go visit not. the Pez factory in connecticut on tour like a giant ball of twine, like any sort of like, are there any destinations like this? Absolutely not. Okay, this is they are grown adult <laughs> women. I think they are completely past that. Maybe in the nineties, definitely not now. I'm sure they will probably put me in timeout. Okay. Um. <laughs> oh well, fine. Okay, look, look, Shamir, I am a grown adult woman. I am even, I even have like a PhD, and I still do that kind of shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> but also they're like celebrities they're like legit celebrities okay, i feel fine. like they're just so past that now i mean i could be wrong who knows i can read the room you know <laughs> you can get a pen dispenser shaped like themselves but that's what but that's what i'm saying they've all been around the world so much like you like you kind of automatically have to probably guess that they've already done a lot of these things Cause like that's like the thing. Like I did a cross. Like I haven't even toured nearly as much as them, obviously. But like I did a cross country trip with my engineers back in July, and it's just like there's a lot of things that like interest him, and like they were like really excited about that. I just couldn't be because it's like I've been there, done that, like multiple times at some of the points, you know. So okay, fair. that's that's fair, fine. Okay, maybe you're just more mature than us. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I've just seen some shit. That's really just a tea. And this is like, if I've seen some shit, I know they've yeah. seen some shit. So, what do what do people yeah, who've seen true. shit do? Like, we kind of just sit yeah. down and talk about how the fuck we made it this long. That's that's interesting. And actually, um, so what what do you still find magical about performing music? Having been doing it so long and having seen some shit. I think I change a lot. I think for me, I change a lot because I, I've started on music essentially through my adolescence you know so I've seen a lot of change within the last five years within myself and hopefully you know really praying for a plateau within the next five years because there's been a lot of change in the last five years um, and I'm ready mm -hmm. to just like chill but I mean even now you know I just recently stopped smoking cigarettes for a month um, which is like the longest I've ever gone without smoking and um, oh, wow. And so, you know, singing, I, before going on stage, like, with every show that I used to do, and I don't know how, I never lost my voice, it's never been a problem, but I will have at least three pre-show cigarettes to go on, like, I absolutely need it. I'm probably still gonna drink before stage, but I drink a lot less, like, I used to need, like, two glasses of whiskey, three cigarettes, and then, and then I might be okay to hop on stage, you know? So now, you know, it's different in that sense, where, you know, I played, I played one show, since I stopped smoking and um and had like maybe one drink before stage but like 
definitely in a different state of mind um and it was something new yeah. and something that i really had never done before because before that i i had maybe i can count on my hands how many shows i played sober without smoking and it definitely wasn't on purpose so um yeah i'm just constantly yeah. changing from within so each performance is just different i guess so i'll let you know this is my first tour in over a year so you know, I yeah. I don't really know what to expect, honestly, too. I'm so excited for you to get here. <laughs> okay, but well, Atlanta gets you first. I have to wait. <laughs> I have to wait. And if you're days. if you're just like exhausted in Atlanta and just need to chill, you can also just like go sit in a coffee shop somewhere. No, I told you, like I have a day off the day before the show, so I'm definitely gonna be well rested for the yeah. Like I'm just gonna be hanging all that day. I'm just gonna be like. Leaking with like some of my um, Atlanta homies mm. and yeah, just like joining. Probably just gonna be chilling anyways. Going to go. I love the thrift really? stores out there. Probably be thrifting. Yeah. You know, I was oh, just out fun. there when I did the cross country trip too in in July. So I'm always like in Atlanta for for something. Awesome. Yeah. And Miriam is a and me. I am too. And Ellie, we are all fellow introverts it's always fun to hang out with fellow introverts i think so because we get i think a fellow introvert gets like you know an introvert's boundary where sometimes like an extrovert can kind of cross that boundary and then like introvert is mad you know <laughs> yeah well and it's funny, like, <laughs> yeah. there are so many introvert performers and it, yeah. i feel like if you're not an introvert i don't know i don't know there there are people who don't understand how you can be a performer and an introvert at the same time mm -hmm. but it's like okay i have this energy i will give it to you in this specific way that i've prepared and then i'm gonna go mm -hmm. hide again <laughs> a lot of times mm -hmm. it feels it does feel kind of um contradictory though and i think only like very recently like i'm talking like last week type shit where i've kind of just like found like <laughs> i i found that balance you know um because that yeah that was always just the inner conflict within me and like sometimes i would just like you know you can see some of those like especially when i was on like pop music where you can kind of see sometimes it literally looks like i was like forced and like rolled on stage and i'm just like dancing like a monkey but my face is mm -hmm. like completely disinterested <laughs> and like and i couldn't control it oh. you know um so mm -hmm. yeah it's it's really hard for introverts because it's just like you know we're kind of naturally lower energy and we need at least for me like i need to be alone to recharge that energy you know so I've kind of just not felt bad about, you know, requesting that a long time and just, you know, in my band and everyone kind of just like respects that and knows me and like understands that. And Good. now that I've yeah. had that, have that method, like things are much better. Yeah. 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 Being able to articulate the boundaries and even identify them and then articulate them is, is freeing. Yeah. For yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. But also terrifying to enforce oh. for like the first time, you know? <laughs> Yeah, because you don't want to feel like a diva, you know, it's like, I need my own time, you know, but, you know, it's a lot You're to like, perform. I'm a human. Just say, I want to be alone in your smokiest voice. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's when I'm older, you know, that's when I'm like, like, you know, Audrey Hepburn, you know, 50s, like, I, <laughs> yeah, well, natural cigarettes, is, uh, hopefully don't go back, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, candy yeah, cigarettes yeah, and a cigarette holder. I want yeah, candy cigarettes. 
candy cigarette. I can't. Candy yeah. Cigarette. I just want to be. I just want to be a classy old lady. That's that's just what I'm. You know, gearing to retire. We believe in you. Yeah. We we really Thank believe you. in you. Yeah. That's a beautiful goal. <laughs> <laughs> if people want to follow you, um, what are the best ways is instagram a good way twitter what what are you most active on yeah instagram and twitter like i hate facebook like i feel like my facebook page is so weird i don't know who still keeps up i have a lot of likes but i don't i think i don't know but yes instagram is shamir326 twitter is just shamir bailey my whole ass government name (laughs) whole ass government name oh your instagram picture is so beautiful Oh my god, that's the second time I got comment like a good comment on my Instagram feed, but I think it's very random and, and it doesn't it oh. definitely doesn't have like a theme, you know, it's not like Ariana Grande where like everything is like black and white and shit, you know. I mean maybe it's less composed than you would like, but it seems beautiful, like I like it. <laughs> well thank you. <laughs> I love it too. I love the flowers in the background. Welcome to the Queer Arrows podcast Um, where everything just devolves into compliments and staring wistfully at each other. I mean, I I really love getting compliments too. Like, it's it's a hobby of mine. I think we just stand each other. Stand, yeah. We're just standing each other. As the kids say. I don't think people give enough compliments. I think, I don't understand why people are stingy with their compliments. I mean... I feel compelled to give compliments I all agree. the goddamn time. And people are weird about it. You know, you Same. tell them, hey, you know, you tell them, hey, I love what you do. I love your your work. I love your look. And people are like, well, back off. What? People are like, Who's wait, don't gush, don't gush too much. Well, no, I get no, don't but... gush too much because sometimes it can be like awkward. But like, I and I, but I try not to like, <laughs> you know, do that too much because like, I, I, it, it was so hypocritical of me to like love to give compliments all the time but like don't know how to receive it but I think that's what a lot of people who give a lot of compliments you know yeah I think a lot of people have that <laughs> struggle yeah because we're our own worst critics and I so, think like, I would take them more to... if like if my whole career just wasn't full of like compliments you know and I feel like you know I get a lot yeah. of fake compliments all the time just because of just like who I am and so we fake compliments of course yeah because people because people just like oh you're you're a professional musician or you're like quote-unquote a celebrity so you know they compliment you to blow smoke up your ass to like get what they want out of you you know okay yeah sorry we're unfamiliar with that no one wants to be anonymous Wait, what anonymous oh that we're anonymous yeah you might be celebrities like people might like like, oh my god, is that <laughs> and Ellie from the Queer Arabs? Like, no, I mean, I, literally never like, like, I still take them all in, like, as equal and everything, but I think, um, I think sometimes, you know, you just kind of feel, you know, you just kind of feel certain, um, weights of certain compliments, and you can tell when the ones are just smoke and the ones are that are genuine, you know? Like, I feel like, obviously, you guys are, like, genuine, so, like, you know, I take that more heavier than, like, even someone else, like, in the industry, you know, like, if, like, an exec or A&R or, like, you know, a casting okay, agent, like, yeah. say that to me, I'm like, whatever, you know, like, I don't really care about those, you know, it's just like, are you gonna yeah. give me what I want or not? Okay, cool. You know, don't waste my time, you know? Right, right, you don't need to do, the, like, skip the gushing, just tell yeah. me straight up, like, yeah. is this business transaction happening, like, that makes sense. And then versus just like human to human, genuine standing. 
Yeah, we we love to stand. Standing makes the world go around. I'm trying to use stand more often to seem cool. I feel I feel like it's bad that I use stand all the time. Like I say stand before I say like fan oh, or really? just like any I yeah. And I think it's kind of immature. <laughs> I want to be immature then. I, I like the word. What is a better I word? What's a better word, Stan yeah, or Yeet? Yeet, you know oh what? Yeet, I feel like it's like really young. Like I feel like most, yeah, you know, younger millennials is. between like twenty-four to like twenty-five, like myself, don't really use Yeet. But like, like my artist, my nineteen-year-old artist on my label that I sign, like he uses Yeet all the time, and like a lot of the younger kids and like the first band that I was managed managing use Yeet all the time, and they were like younger, so. I don't know. Oh, I, so I, really none of my friends thing. that are exactly my age use eat. That's like the opposite of my experience because I'm like an office full of thirty-something like nerds, and yeet is thrown around all day long. But it's ironic. No, I like, nerds. No, it is not ironic. It's like genuine. It's so bizarre. <laughs> I've noticed That's nerds love pop weird. culture though. Like they're definitely usually always like on it. Yeah. <laughs> that true. That's so true. <laughs> I just want to get rid of, like, my West Coast-ness. Like, I feel like when I say stand or, like, when I use, like, OVS and, like, you know, just, like, kind of, like, shorthand things, <laughs> I say hello all the time. Yeah, I can't say mad. Like, I, I say John and, like, a lot of, like, I, I definitely, you know, absorbed a lot of, like, the Philly slang, but I can't say mad. Like, I'm still strictly hella. That's, like, when my West Coast jumps up. The, that, that reminds me, um, we... We haven't really talked about your label yet, so you have your own label. Yeah. Can you, can you tell us about that? Like, how did you, what made you decide you wanted to do that? And is there anybody, like, how, how would we introduce ourselves to your label? Like, oh, sorry, um, what, I, what, I mean, what I mean by that is, like, how would we, like, where should we start on, like, the artists that are on your label and, like, you know, starting to listen to... Well, we launched this year, so there's only two releases out right now, as of, like, right now, right now, but then the next single for the next release comes out Friday. I mean, when does this come out? Um, in two Fridays from now. Oh, okay. So, so, so yeah, so on Thursday, we have, um, like, the early premiere lined up, so technically it comes out Thursday, but it'll be streamable everywhere on Friday. Um, and, yeah, we launched this year... Um, really, honestly, last summer, it was just, like, kind of an idea or, like, a dream, and it started with one of the first two releases, um, that I released this year. It was with the 19-year-old. Yeah, I had Grant, Grant Pavel is one of the first two signees. We recorded his EP last summer, and you know just really liked it and I was already working with Southwick who was also one of the first two releases and I was like you know basically with Southwick since her stuff was already recorded I was just going to kind of just like act as a pseudo manager and like find a label and like build a team for her kind of like what I did with like the first band that I worked with but then when I end up finishing you know this record with Grant I was like well, I'm not going to want to, like, shop both of them, so I'm like, why not just start the label, you know? And, yeah, it's been very, going very well so far, and we're going on our third release, and I'm super excited oh, for it. Incredible. Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. Ah, that's so, so awesome. You, like, like we started out saying, you're, you're doing everything. Well, 
I'm it's manic. So, amazing. And, you know, I don't need that much sleep. Thank you for doing this. Um, sacrificing even more sleep to talk to us. <laughs> we really this appreciate it. Honor. It's really an honor Seriously. to have you. No, it is thank such you. an honor. Miriam and I were kind of freaking out. He wrote back on Twitter. It's, it's and, true. Um, that was really, that was just so cool. Um, I don't know, Ellie. Did I tell you I just tweeted you, at you Shabir, and I was like, "Hey, so do you want to be on a lot?" I'm just always so down so to like chill, do like, anything yeah, for the sure. culture. You know, like big publications are boring. Just like I said, you know. Like, these things are always, like, way more fun for me, you know? Plus, you can say yeah, fuck with us all you want. <laughs> yeah, you can you can say as, fuck as many times as you want. So. It was, like, the main podcast. podcast where you'll hear people say fuck a lot and, like, machala or something. Machala. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I had to restrain myself, like, each new thing that you said that was, like, awesome. I want to be like, machala, like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the criminal well, like out here like doing stuff and yeah I know it's Fuck it's yeah. it's a beautiful time to be alive that's what I'm saying like it's just like Truly. especially for you know and I'm sure you can you feel the same and you can agree that it's just like you know growing up we felt like aliens you know like we felt like there was no one else like us and you know now in the digital age and 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 with the, with the yeehaw culture and the yeehaw agenda and like all these things, we're slowly starting to you know bring our tribe together. And I think that is so cool because it's just I know I definitely felt alone um, a lot of times when it when it comes to that stuff. So definitely, it became the default to feel strange and not. I don't know. It, it's such a novel feeling to be like, oh my god, there are so many people out there who relate to me. Now that I'm finally connecting yeah, to people it's who like have been through losing that permanent yeah. outsider status. Yeah, it's such a it's a, it's a still a novel feeling at times. It's refreshing. Any projects or things you wish to plug? Well, no, I mean stream stream pull blood, aka Miriam, who is the next release on Accidental Pop Star Record. The EP comes out on the eighth of November. And um, it's called Yummy, and yeah, her artist name is Pull Blood. Uh, yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. I'm working on the six, but like no, no really plans or anything just yet. Um, just like still getting composition and everything together, but mostly just like focusing on um, the label stuff right now, and then also I'm doing uh, a lot more production stuff too. Um, I'm gonna be on another show um where it oh, shows that really? i'm working with another band i don't know what it's gonna come out but i think it's gonna be on netflix so look out for that okay. and uh yeah well thank you again the things you loved they never gone away but that's still Never go